So that was one of the scariest decisions. But in those moments where like you blow your life up into pieces and like the moments where you rebuild them, that's when you really start to believe in yourself and it's not dependent on anyone. Welcome to the Filipina on the Rise podcast, where I spotlight Pinay powerhouses, meaning Filipino women doing big things and making an impact. I'm your host, Crystal Fabella, and I want to elevate Filipina excellence and celebrate what it means to be a Filipina. Today, we're talking to Kristen Berlantes. Kristen is the co-founder and CEO of the Syrup Shop, a San Francisco-based Filipino-American food truck and catering company that serves up Filipino comfort food to every dietary preference. Previously, she was the head of design operations at Stripe, the world's most valuable private fintech company, and before that, held roles at Google and Google Ventures. In this episode, we discuss her journey, the different lessons learned, and even sacrifices she made along the way. We'll learn the power of approaching things like play, tactics to literally design your life, and some bold tea to energy. Here we go. We have here the one and only Kristen Berlantes, who I fell in love with in the audience seat when she was <laughs> at an uh, entrepreneur panel on Pinayism in Tech. Yes. And so, Kristen, mm-hmm. who is Kristen Berlantes? What do you do? And what is your mission? Yeah. Big ass questions for a Friday. <laughs> The fun questions, nonetheless. Um, There's so many different ways, like, you can describe yourself. But in current state, I'd say that um, right now I'm focused a lot on business strategy for a few different things, including Mm -hmm. my own projects. So main role right now is CEO of Syrup Shop, which is Mm -hmm. a food company out here in San Francisco. And the mission there is to basically provide very inclusive menus and experiences for People who want to enjoy, like the heart of Filipino cooking, which is making everybody Mm -hmm. feel loved and welcome through the medium of food. Um, So I do that. Um, I also uh, business coach a bit, and primarily for women of color, because I do believe, and this is kind of tied to the mission, that I've been blessed with having parents and a community of people around me who have like encouraged me to go after what I think Mm -hmm. I want and to think of, here's the box of where you can play in and like Mm -hmm. break it all down and make what you want. So I feel like my mission is to help other people feel that way, yeah. that like anything you want is possible and it doesn't always have to feel like hard draining work mm-hmm. and it should feel like a lot of fucking fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. The first time we talked, um, something stood out that you said was like treat it like play. Yeah. You know, and that concept of professionalism and play, sometimes yeah. it's hard to think it goes hand in hand. Yeah. So I'm going to do a little backtrack and start from the beginning of your story because it seems like where you are now, a lot of what factored in is the mindset of abundance in your upbringing. So where were you born and what was your upbringing like? Yeah, so I was born here. I was born in Hayward. Hey. Hey. But my parents made it a priority to spend all of our summers and December in the Philippines. So Mm. I kind of grew up in both cultures. So it was an interesting reference point to be here in America where – It is a land of opportunity. It's a land of putting into your hands the responsibility of crafting the life you want to live. But then having that in juxtaposition with like life in the Philippines where there was a lot of tradition, especially growing Mm -hmm. up. So you inherited a lot of your goals. You inherited a lot of your values. You inherited a lot of your process. And you kind of had to like filter in. But also in the same time, like the Philippines had this beautiful culture of like community, Mm -hmm. togetherness, fun play yeah and I just remember that like growing up in a family that had like a business orientation like my summers were spent at my Ninang's factory she had a sweater factory and every day it was like a hundred people that worked there 
and like they always made it a point to have Marie and Del together. Fun. And it was super cute because then I would be like the little kid walking down the street to Dunkin' Donuts yeah. and then like I'd buy the donuts, bring it back. And even though it was like a factory, it felt like a family. And work mm. didn't feel like work. It really felt like play. Like you'd go off onto like the floor where people are like on the knitting machines. Oh. But they would be like listening to music. So like knitting machines became like dancing with the knitting machines. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like so, so that factored into yeah, yeah. Yeah. To like work life in America where it is a lot of freedom. But I feel like a lot of us trap ourselves into like what work totally. should look like. And it feels like a grind. It feels like like factory, quote mm-hmm. unquote, factory work. But my idea of factory work was like dancing and having yeah. snacks and like loving the people that you're around. Right, right. So, yeah. And so that that concept of like what work looked like, it factored into how you saw um, your work life and yeah. the way that your career would be shaped. Is yeah. That right? And yeah, and it was... Um, something that my parents really like, reinforced mm-hmm. with me early on was to like always cover your basics, mm-hmm. like cover your foundations, so that you don't have to again make choices out of scarcity mindset yeah. of like being worried that like you're not gonna have enough. Be smart about that, mm-hmm. but then take like the learnings from like the two cultures that you grow up in and every other culture that you get exposed to. Yeah, take the parts that really resonate with you and make that like the piece, like the building blocks for the life you want to live, present day and in the future. Yeah, so. I kind of, like, had that type of a unique experience mm-hmm. growing up and, like, permission from my parents. I love that. You know, to – or not just permission. There was always, like, you're either going to be doctor, lawyer, or business yeah. person. <laughs> and my mom was definitely, like, you're going to be a doctor. But they still, like, encouraged me to, like, expand my thinking and challenge it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't always come received with, like, yeah, go do that. But once they found out that I was, like, stable and in control mm-hmm. of, like, what I wanted – Okay. So you went to Berkeley yeah. for your undergrad. When you went into college, did you know exactly the path that you're going to, or was it a oh, girl, process no. that evolved? <laughs> when I was at Cal, okay. uh, I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do. Yeah, I So I was pre-business, pre-law, okay. pre-med. Same. I did all of the things, and then by sophomore year, I was like, oh, I have no idea what I'm going to major in. Okay. To eventually choose a major, Kristen just plugged in all the classes she already took to see what she was closest to and eventually chose public health. When she graduated, it was the recession, and so there were very little to no job prospects. But she always had an entrepreneurial spirit, and in this situation, she took on opportunities such as real estate and flipping foreclosures, and even serving as executive director of a dance company, Funkonometry, continually exercising, creating your opportunities when you don't see it. I think like business has always been a part of my life. Yeah. And I think like one of my point of views is that you can be entrepreneurial no matter where you are. But because I got to do that type of process, that type of living early, even when I got to a place like Google where there's like a lot of structure, I never treated it as like, I mean, we kind of talked about this at the wing, like yeah. instead of asking for opportunities, even in a corporate structure, like figure out ways to create that mm-hmm. for yourself, mm-hmm. understand even like the internal market of demand, mm. of gaps and problems, and then figure out like, are you passionate about yeah, that? Yeah. Do you want to create an opportunity for yourself? Because yeah. that's totally possible, especially when you're at companies that align with your like values. Mm-hmm. Can you give an instance of the company where you came in and you almost grew your own opportunity from within and what kind of a- approach did you take? Because a lot of times we feel that there's this very linear kind of process and there, there should be a promotion, there should be um, the right time, there's the yeah. right person who's gonna elevate you but but what was your approach in that yeah I think like early in my career especially at Google I thought a lot about 
what types of experiences did I want to have? Because when you leave a job, there's obviously like titles and everything, but like titles only matter as much as like the stories you get to tell about what you contributed. Mm. So that was always my focus. So I would look for that within my own team. Like there's obviously the things your manager will tell you to do, but then when you're in a role, they're not in your role. So okay. I'd look at what are other things that like, I wanted to do that would make this role something that was even more exciting for me. Okay. And then when I was trying to figure out like what else I wanted to do, I would just reach out to teams and have like informational chats and be mm. like, I've never heard of your job before. That was actually like the beautiful thing oh, about tech, right? Like yeah. growing up, it was doctor, lawyer, business person. Engineer wasn't even in the thing. I was yeah. like, what the fuck is an engineer? Right. And then I got to college and I was like, yeah. oh, that's another job. So in tech, there are all these other jobs. Like there's even people who are like professional cat herder. People make up all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. So I would just grab coffee with folks okay. and see like, what types of things exist out there? And then I would do the try it before you buy it method and I would just offer up my time. Hmm. I'd carve out a little bit of space in my schedule and like ask people like, do you have projects that might be interesting for wow. me to just help out with? And I would time box it. So it would be for a month or a quarter. Wow. And in the spirit of ask for forgiveness, not permission, like you don't always have to clear that with your manager. Sorry, managers, if you hate <laughs> that. But as long as you're handling your core job and your shit, like gotcha. who's supposed to like withhold opportunity from you if you're like, again, doing it all in service for a larger company and mm -hmm. everybody's on the same team. That's crazy because that's not an approach a lot of us are taught mm -hmm. for internal growth. It's kind of like there's a clear path and you wait for it. But what you did was just kind of looked around and mm -hmm. you were strategic, though, in a way of like, yeah. I'm going to go follow my role, but I'm going to take this little other uh, you know, additional time I have to take on projects. And did you organically come to that or is that something that you were always taught? Well, my dad was the one who always told me, like, if you don't like the situation you're mm -hmm. in, figure out a way to change it because no one is going to change it for you. But you have to have an opinion about what you want. And so I remember early on, I just like didn't know what I wanted. So I, I would at least try to do is try tons of things to kind of suss out what I didn't like fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then also at Google, there was this concept of like a 20% project, but it was at the time only like a formal program for engineers. Mm -hmm. So engineers could kind of like develop a thing. So I kind of was like, if there's no 20% projects just readily available, how do I carve my own out? Mm. That's amazing that you had that, like if it's not there, I'm just going to start it though. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because I think that we're brought up in like a culture of there are certain systems and structures in place and that's how you essentially grow yourself by following this linear process. And you had the reverse mindset of not having to follow the rule book out there of just kind of being able to create your own rules. Yeah. And you didn't have fear that it was going to fail. There was always going to be a way to problem solve I'm just curious like when you look when you think about Filipino culture and like maybe other Filipinos like how we're taught to grow up and like how you want to challenge that mindset yeah a lot of it is I think rooted in it's kind of funny because like later on in my career I got to learn a lot about like design theory design yeah. thinking design method and then I had realized and kind of connected the dots that a lot of what I was doing was kind of just like intuitive design mm -hmm. of like looking at a thing understanding your constraints your goals and then breaking all the pieces apart and then finding different ways to like put pieces together mm. because you realize that there's like a million different ways to do a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that like would be super helpful. And like when I do business coaching or like business consulting, yeah. that's a lot of what I talk about with folks. Like 
you have a goal and your goal remains constant and you have constraints that you know you need to design to but then like let's break the pieces down and then Mm. find other pieces and then say how do you like configure that and then also configure like 10 different realities Mm -hmm. so that you are reminding people that they're in power of like the journey and the process mm. to get to the destination. Mm. Because inherently like shit's always gonna go sideways. Yeah. And yeah. that's kinda like a given. Yeah. Like sometimes things will go completely according to plan. But in the event that it doesn't, it's really good to be equipped with like the tools and like the resilience and the emotional intelligence to be able to navigate those yeah. things and pivot in a way that the pro- again, like the process and journey yeah. still feel like fun. Yeah. 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 I every time you use the word fun and play, it like throws off my mind. You think of like the career <laughs> journey like, as work. so rigid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why do you feel like that's an advantage to approach things that way? Well, that's what creates resilience, mm-hmm. you know? Like trauma inherently happens, like shit goes sideways, challenges will like confront you, but the best times you have are when you're like, How am how am I gonna make problem solving this fun? Because yeah. you have to problem solve it anyways. It's kind of like there was one year I did a tax party mm-hmm. because I was like, none of us want to do taxes. Yeah. But like what would make doing taxes fun? I was like, okay, well, doing it with my friends. So we like did a little tax party. Fun. So there's things like that where – Yeah, making it fun. Yeah. That's funny because I actually last um, last Friday after talking with Berta and she was getting all like in your – like taking care of your debt, financial freedom. Yeah. And I hate Hate looking at my bank account. Yeah, she does I it too. Hate looking at my debt. She's like, ma- yeah. like name your bank Making account fun. something fun. <laughs> yeah, so I called. I I set off this Friday and it was like, um, I called a date with my debt. Yeah, like, having a date with my dad, and I yeah. like literally dressed up yeah. nice, and I was pretending like I was having a date. Yeah, um, and you- it's literally like again, that's like the transfer yeah. or like the evolution of like scarcity of I just okay. need to survive to like mm. abundance, where abundance doesn't have to only mean financial abundance. Yeah, abundance is just like welcoming in the things that are gonna make your life feel like full, yeah. rich, luxurious to yeah. you, and so sometimes that's money. Yeah. And, like, very realistically, you know, like, a lot of it is money because then you can buy all these, like, comforts or, like, conveniences. But then a lot of the time, too, it's just, like, how are you going to make it fun? Because fun is a luxury. Fun is a privilege because we're not part of, like, well, war generation. Who knows? (laughs) Hopefully not. (laughs) Um, But, like, not in the same way that, like, our parents were part of war generation, you know? Like, I think a lot about how much they did have to sacrifice to get here. But if I inherit like a sacrificial type of mentality, it's almost like I'm not actually reaping the benefits of the privilege that they tried to like. They worked so hard to to give to you. Yeah. And so that's a lot of what I'm even trying to do now with my parents. Like it's been interesting. They're both retired. And I remember when I was a kid, they would be like, when I retire, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. But now they're back to like scarcity mindset of like, I'm not an income producing human anymore. And even though they have enough retirement, they're like, how do I enjoy it? So now like really getting to practice that in my own life, that's like a gift you get to give back to your parents. parents. Uh, like teaching yeah. them about the privilege that they've also earned them. in their retirement. Yeah. So I find that all It's a lifelong cycle. Of yeah, no, living. and it's a practice. Yeah. Like, and it's not only something that I think folks of color experience. I think it is kind of like something that is, I don't know, pervasive in tech community. Yeah. Like how do you – not for everyone, but <laughs> how do you have fun while you work? Sometimes people take things too seriously, but I would really love for folks of color to, yes. like, if you're here, I mean, like, you better enjoy it. Like, if you're working at your desk and nobody else is around you, like, you're you're doing tech wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to give yourself permission to do that because you get to define what is enough. 
Absolutely. So in this next part, we actually had to take a break four times because the building alarm went off four times, having people evacuate. Anyways, we kept recording. I put the bloopers at the end if you want to listen in. It's actually pretty funny. Ironically related to the topic of dealing with disruptions within a system, I continued on asking her when she felt empowered to start making changes within a system. And Kristen emphasizes the power of not always asking for permission, just inviting people in and making the change when you see it. So I felt empowered from the start because I've worked with like amazing people who told me like stop asking for permission and just like fucking do your job. <laughs> That's what I'm really learning to put into practice. Like stop yeah. asking for permission. Yeah, we're asking like, is this okay? Did I do it right? No, but that's so ingrained in like yeah because that's what also what the school system reinforces right like the grade system of a b c d like did i pass i feel it's like the world is fucking gray area so you just have to be in charge of your narrative you have to understand your metrics and then just go after it Mm. um and again spend the time understanding that like it's not just what you do with your hands on like a keyboard or whatever your work is but it's the people around you and like the sooner you actually start investing in like the relationships around you and caring about the people that you are supposed to be co-creating with, you are missing the boat on like how to have influence. Mm-hmm. And I learned that over and over again <laughs> in so many different scenarios where, you know, I think anytime somebody starts something new, imposter syndrome gets in the way of that. I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah. but Because the- you, you seem like somebody like, wow, Kristen just really knows how to take ownership of the role she's in and and, and just uh, go after what she wants in the workplace. And <laughs> not always. Not, you know, <laughs> not be apologetic about it. And I'm, I'm curious because something that we deal with all the time is imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, have you ever dealt with that? And oh, what, 100%. How did, you, how did you like re-empower yourself that that's where you are meant to be and you are deserving to be in this place? Yeah, a lot of it was just being really vulnerable with my peers and my manager. Like especially in times where I was feeling like, I have no idea what I'm going to try to do here. I would also, especially when I was new to a role, I would Mm -hmm. do the thing of it has to be perfect and then I'm going to show people and I want them to Mm. tell me that it was perfect instead of inviting them into the process and allowing them to see me in like messiest state. And so it it took having to just say like, fuck it, Mm. you know? Like I'm going to send something to someone but at least call it a draft and then also invite them to help me. And that's not something that you know, we're taught early on, like, to ask for help. And I I understand where our parents coming from when, like, they tell us that because it is a survival mechanism. Because during their time, like, there was so much more racism that, like, to ask for help was a sign of weakness then. Mm -hmm. But if we – and, again, this is dependent on, like, the culture you're in. Like, if you're in an environment where, like, the system really isn't aligned with your values and isn't setting you up for success – like that is a whole nother situation and I'd have like different modes and methods for that. But if you're in an environment where the culture supports that yeah. type of growth and that type of autonomy, people want to be invited to your process. Mm. Cause also it's great like role modeling of yeah. behavior. Cause it's very likely that people around you too have imposter syndrome. And so there've been many situations where in the end we find out that like we were all really tense and we were all like presenting to one another just wanting to see like did we make the other person Mm -hmm. happy did we please them and in the end we all just wanted to actually say like none of us know what the fuck's going on like can we actually just like go into a conference room and work on this together Mm. Um, and it just takes one person to like do that and that's a level of vulnerability yeah and listening to your gut Mm -hmm. and allowing to like show people your gut Mm -hmm. unlike 
once you're in a leadership role, one of the biggest lessons I learned there was understanding pacing of how you show your gut and like who you show it to and in what sequence. But you have the intuitive of who's who 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 does show that to, right? Well, I mean, and I also just, check it's not in just with everybody. Folks. Well, I mean, like, no, I've done it totally with folks where I was like, hey, do you think about this thing? And made them really uncomfortable. Oh, <laughs> but then you know, you like pull someone aside, and you're like, yeah. there's no, there's nothing you can do that can't be undone or processed. You know, that is like that mindset, though. I think. Like, so many of us lack it. Like, there's, there's nothing so bad that you can do that yeah. it'll be the end of the world. Yeah, like, it's okay to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. It's okay to make yourself look like an ass. Like, as lo- what matters most is what you do after that. And that's also, like, the biggest growth moments I've yeah. had when I've been so fucking embarrassed or I really made a fuck up. Can you up. give us an example? I, oh, I my just God. Love, there's I just so love, many. No, <laughs> I didn't think of, like, one recently. Um... Cause just because looking at your background, I'm like, it's beautiful and it's like perfect. And oh, girl, I'm no. Just- <laughs> <laughs> I've made so many mistakes. Okay. But I make them really fast and I make them like really <laughs> intensely. Like there's so many. So there was one time I was managing a budget that was definitely in the millions and I lost track of $50,000. I was like, well, where the fuck did the $50,000 go? Yeah. <laughs> and I spent so much time trying to find it. And I didn't know where I put it. Like, I was like, is it just, like, missing in a spreadsheet? Like, I have no idea. And then I also was like, does this even matter? Like, how much is $50,000 compared to, like, a like percentage like in, like, a million. $5 million yeah. budget? But my dad was an accountant, so I was like, I got to find every fucking penny. Yeah. And then eventually I was like, okay, I'm going crazy. Like, I physically was making myself sick. Crazy. And then so eventually I just, like, told my manager, like, I don't – I know it's wrong, but I don't know how it's wrong. Can you help me? And then – my manager at the time was actually really grateful because he was like, you never ask for help. I would love the opportunity to help you. So it's kind of like we were sort of talking about that at the wing, right? Like people who are managers, they are managers, hopefully the good ones, because they want to help you. Mm. But then if you never like give them the opportunity to help, oh my God, you know, or even the same, it's a similar story, but even with my mom, this is like not work related, but this is like in the same concept. I remember like being heartbroken for the first time in high school. And my mom was always like, don't fucking date anyone, be your own woman. But I remember just getting super heartbroken and we were at dinner and I like had, I started crying and I went to the bathroom and then she followed me and I was like, fuck. I remember when my mom, when I was a kid, my mom would say to me like, don't make me give you a real reason to cry when she was trying to discipline me. Mm. And I was like, this isn't a real reason to cry. Don't cry over boys. And then she went to the bathroom. She checked on me and she was so sweet. And she was like, it's okay. Like you can be heartbroken in front of your mom. Like don't rob me of the experience of being your mother. So same thing with your teammates. Like don't rob them of the experience of being a teammate and holding space for you. Because if you do it with them, then they know that they can do that with you when they're feeling like they need support or Mm -hmm. partnership. Um, So it took many revs of doing that. (laughs) I like telling somebody like, I don't know how to do that, but can we figure it out together? Mm. (laughs) Or even with negotiations, right? It could be like the passing the paper to one person and they pass it back or just saying like hey here's a goal how do we figure out how to make that work right it doesn't always have to be you money do it together it's yeah. not like a transactional interaction oh for sure which i think a lot of us think it is but yeah. when we approach it with it's collaborative that's what makes it fun yeah 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 because again also when things are fun you'd be surprised it actually is more productive and mm. efficient and yeah. like the juiciest most delicious like ideas come from yeah. that 
We as people often talk about our career and life journey as segments and silos, work life and personal life, this job title to this thing on the side. And I get why we do it, but what if it's more helpful to see things as one big picture? Kristen had done a lot of separate projects and one that particularly stood out to me was a card game she created. Yes, a truth and dare inspired card game you can actually buy and play with your friends called Know Your Humans. And so when I asked about these things, almost posing it like it was so separate from her career journey, she pointed out something interesting. Compartmentalizing things might actually be restrictive sometimes and can keep you from connecting important dots. This concept has been key to her journey, that you should zoom out, look from a bigger lens, and you can connect your life anywhere. Yeah, so you can connect the dots. Um, And this is, again, like when we're thinking about goal setting, we're thinking about constraints, like blow it out to a bigger picture. Like just what do you want in your life? Mm. And how does career kind of fold into that? Um, A lot of the people that I business coach, they'll talk first to me about like, I want to make this amount of money. I'm like, great, but for what? Mm. And then they think, like, I have to make that much money to then deserve and afford the life that I want. And then I ask them, like, in that life picture, what are the things that change? How do you feel, like, waiting to live, like, the life that you're actually trying to, like, earn this money for? Mm -hmm. But actually, like, when you think about it and you think about, like, well, how do you want to feel? Who do you want to spend your time with? Like, you can start building those things earlier if you stop segmenting your life so strictly Mm. so like when I was doing things like I was feeling actually kind of uninspired at work the time I made the card game Um, I was on a team that was on transition a manager was leaving morale was pretty low Um, and so I could have just like ejected out but instead I was like how can I find inspiration elsewhere how can I gain a skill that I really wanted I want to gain I just wanted to learn how to make a game And then I happened to be in a kitchen and I was like talking to somebody randomly in the kitchen. We ended up becoming best friends, (laughs) one of my closest friends, and we ended up making a card game together. And that's like, again, stuff that if if that helps you with your next opportunity, like you put those things on your resume. But then if not, then it's also just a fun ass experience you get to do, especially when you want to like maybe take a break from grinding mm-hmm. it out at work because I know all the Filipinas out there yeah. do not just do 100%. No. Like your B minus work is somebody else's A plus 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 work. Yeah. And so if you decide you want to do like the norm of A work and then carve out space for you to do anything you want, whether that's volunteering or mm-hmm. creating like a new program at work or just chilling the fuck out. Yeah. Like you have permission to do that. You just have to like yeah. give it to yourself. Yeah. I love, okay, giving yourself permission. Mm-hmm. The only permission you need is from yourself. The yourself. Only, like if you love like the scale of grading of like A, B, C to like, what is an A to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like actually define that. Yeah. Instead of, <laughs> there's so many people I know that like have not even defined what an A is for them on mm. a piece of work that they're working on, but they know wow. they want to get it. Wow. So I'm like, you are never going to be satisfied because you don't know what that is. Okay. So to somebody listening. Yeah. And they're, you know, what they're doing might be very one-sided mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And I think that we as humans are just so complex. We don't just ever have one or two skill sets Mm-mm. and one or two passions. There's there's a multiplicity of it. Yeah. How do you give advice somebody who struggling to let themselves feel permission to mm-hmm. take on all these multifaceted parts of themselves yeah I mean I think it's a few things first it's starting with at least the basic question of how do you want to feel for a time box 
period of time. Mm. Because when you start thinking about like, how do I want to feel forever? Like that mm-hmm. really also then puts you also in a silo of, you're not going to feel this way forever, but actually for a period of time that you can control, mm-hmm. how do you want to feel? And then really writing out like, what does that look like mm-hmm. for yourself tangibly, you know? Like, what are you wearing? Who are you with? What are you doing? And I love doing like the what are you doing and what are you wearing? Because that actually gets you to the tactical goal of like, how much money do you need to make? Yeah. Because then you have people who have like this uncapped view of like money goals. I'm like, but do you even need all that right now? If it's at the yeah. expense of that retired-ish life that yeah. you want to like go to, like yeah. that's where you get to define the pace of like the success yeah. road that you're on. Like you could drive down it and sprint it, but you're like, maybe this year for 2020, I'm gonna take the scenic route. Mm. And then in 2021, then I'm gonna like take a race car down. But you choose that on like, So, yeah. <clears throat> do you like recommend that we really sit down with ourselves? Oh yeah, and really and make defined things about what you want. <laughs> that's like really hard because sometimes it's just like, if you make the, I wanna make this much money, I wanna get to this place in my career, and I want to have these assets and these um, like, like privileges by this time but it's it's deeper than that yeah because if you don't know for what yeah so what are the questions you ask yeah so these are the ones like literally how do you want to feel what does that look like then what resources do you need to make that happen and on what time frame Mm. so that you can decide for yourself like maybe that goal is too aggressive Mm -hmm. because if I make that goal it's at sacrifice of this thing that's actually going to make me feel the thing that I want which is satisfaction in life Mm. and that's where you find people who are stuck in jobs that are unhappy because even though it's getting you financial security or like the cream on top type of money it's at the sacrifice of things that they actually personally want and right. can't afford if they just decided that that piece wasn't important. Mm-hmm. Or you could start to think about creative ways to still optimize for that mm-hmm. without sacrificing your dollar. Yeah. But one thing, again, that like they don't teach you, at least for our generation growing up, is to draw out what you want. Wow. Somebody predefined that for you. And it should be an exercise and practice of doing that at least once a year. Ah. And if not once a year, more than that. Like, make Some, contracts Sometimes with yourself. it's hard to dream that big, though. Yeah. And then revisit it. Yeah. Because if something isn't feeling right, you just rewrite your dream. Okay. But that's, like, you have to really be in your body. If something doesn't feel right, we often try to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And we're, like, stick to the goal, stick to the plan. But you have to listen to that intuition yeah. so that you can revisit it and see what's okay. not working so you can fix it. I actually met you first when you were head of design ops at Stripe. Yeah. And there was a pivot point for you when you really decided to step away from, you know, this opportunity into going fully into somewhere else. When you got into a head of design operations at Stripe, that, that's a big deal. That was oh, a yeah. big, like, That's the biggest, position. like, corporate role I've had. Big, it's the big corporate role that all of us kind of, you for know, For an amazing and, like, company how did she get that's, there? like, on, a great on such a great trajectory. So when you got that, like what, what built up to that stage in your life? Mm-hmm. And what was that like year and a half? Year and a... About a year. A little about under a, Okay, year. about a year. Like like for you. I really wanted... Well, there was a few things. I took the role because I had an amazing manager at Google Ventures at GV. And she encouraged me to think about like what else do I want to experience and learn mm. in whatever is next for me. Um, and then this role came, became an option. And so even just acknowledging that it became an option was like a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was an amazing team and an amazing person to potentially work for. Um, but it was definitely in a space that I've never been in before. Mm-hmm. So I tend to gravitate to things that I've never done before because that's where I know I'm going to like learn the most. So I went in it with the perspective of I'm going to fail at a lot of shit <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to learn. But it was the first time, too, that I got to be in more of a formal leadership mm-hmm. role where you had the ability to kind of define a culture process and where things were headed. Yeah. Um, so, so that was exciting. When you say you, it was never something you'd done before, that's usually the stopping point where like, I've never done this before, therefore I'm not qualified. I don't check all these oh, boxes. Yeah. So Some of the first conversations I had with them, I was like, I'm not even a traditional background of this role. Like, yeah. why do you even? So how did you approach that? And how did, yeah. how did you set yourself up for success in that process? Yeah, so a lot of it was taking the temperature of like who I w- who would I be collaborating with and are we going to have a compatible collaboration style? So that's what I was looking for first. Um, and then during the year, there was just like a lot of stuff that happened in my personal life. Like mm-hmm. my dad has been kind of sickly. Yeah. Um, the syrup shop was like actually growing faster than we could, yeah. you know, keep up with. Uh, and then I had, it. yeah, some family things also in the Philippines were, were super close that I had to, they were really delicate things that I had to take care of. So that year was kind of the year of I am firing at all cylinders, and but both in like positive and challenging. Um, so like not necessarily bad, but just it's hard. Yeah. And so it became a situation of like this is supposed to be the moment where I get to like be in the biggest role I've ever been in and actually try to do it fully. But it was at the expense of how I could be present for like people in my personal yeah. life. And that really wore me down. Wow. And so it actually took a lot of um, vulnerability and courage to even tell my manager, like, this role is bigger than, like, what I can do right Mm. now. Um, And that's, again, like, giving yourself permission to be like, okay, if you had all of, like, the emotional, mental space to dedicate only to your job, like, sure, you could probably, like, kill Kill it, it, work all the hours that are needed to, like, succeed at a high-growth startup. But when you know you have, like, other things that you want to prioritize, like – being there for my dad while he was like recovering from surgery or like being a good partner to like JP as he's like going through like the biggest growth stage he's ever been through. Like those are the trade-offs that you're faced with. And so with a scarcity mindset, you might try, I I was definitely in scarcity mindset (laughs) at the the beginning of the year. I was like, I have to make it all work because this is like the only opportunity I'll have to be in a leadership role. And it was interesting because I was like, yeah. where is that coming from? Wow. And where is that pr- like, like pressure coming you from? You can't falter this. Well, yeah, because I didn't want to let down my manager at the current time because I knew like he was taking also a risk on me of mm-hmm. bringing on someone who was actually more junior than yeah. like other candidates. Um, and also my former manager at GV who like really advocated for me. Hello. You know? This is what happened yeah. in our last thing. Thank you. Um, so I didn't, there was a lot of people I didn't want to let down. I even didn't want to let down my parents because they were so proud that, like, I got They're so proud and excited, but also really freaked out because they didn't know what Stripe was. <laughs> so they were like, why are you leaving Google? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to freak them out and be like, hey, and I'm out at this job that's actually really challenging and I have to work a lot of hours because I'm excited about learning. I, I just didn't want to let a lot of people down. And I thought, again, scarcity mindset for a minute of what – like, this is the only opportunity. Like, how will I get this again? Mm-hmm. But then at some point, you have to realize and say, like, you can't wait for someone to say it to you of, like, you will be able to return to a traditional career in tech if you want. Like, there's no, there's nobody that's going to say to you, 
like the things that you need to hear to feel comfortable to like make tough decisions. And that only gets more complex as we get older because we develop richer relationships with folks. There are other things we want to prioritize. And so at the end of that, it really became a decision of I could keep doing this, but I'm going to burn out. And I've burned out before. So it was like, I get to make a choice about whether I'm going to have this be the time where I'm focused on that type of career choice, or I could give myself a little bit more space, mm. trust that I could do it again, and then reprioritize like the time I want to spend with mm -hmm. the people that I want to spend time with. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the scariest decisions, <laughs> yeah. but it was also a super empowering decision yeah. to say like, again, well, I actually have kind of done that a lot of like, I'm going to blow everything up right? and we're going to hope for the best. Yeah. But it, you, in those moments where like you blow your life up into pieces and like the moments where you rebuild them, that's when you really start to believe in yourself right. and it's not dependent on anyone else. Because you yourself are forced to rise to the occasion of just really getting to what's what important you to you and what you want yeah and so now like a lot of my friends have been asking or even like past coworkers, like how are you spending your time and I'm like I'm doing a lot of nothing you know well not completely but <laughs> yeah. like I'm doing a lot of not having to push myself to grind as much like yeah. 2020 is my year of I want to do big things but I want to do them in like For a you. slow simmer I, I want to like just savor the things I because you get to a stage in your life where you're not early in your career where you need to like throw build, spaghetti on a build, wall yeah, and, like, yeah. prove something to someone, you start to understand, again, but only if you allow yourself permission to, like, fail at a lot of stuff so you know what you're really good at and what you really love to do. Mm. But then you can just, like, take a moment to be like, yeah. I'm only going to do those things. Yeah. I'm only going to eat nachos. No, yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Kind of like that. No, you just start to really put the focus <clears throat> lens on, like, what is important to me right now? Like, yeah. what do I want? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that, like, no choice is permanent. Mm -hmm. It's just oh. a choice you're making right now. And I think that permanence piece is what really freaks people out. out. Yeah. We're like, oh, my God, if I do this. And even if it was a bad decision, I even play that out in my head. Like, the let's play out worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are walking away from an opportunity that you'll never get to do again. Then what? Like, are you going to be sad really about it? Like, are you going to, like, make yeah. yourself miserable about it? Yeah. Or are you going to say, like, make peace with it and say mm -hmm. that wasn't for me right now because the life picture I was living was at the expense of my All relationships and my personal things. health. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when you were at Stripe, mm -hmm. you when you started Syrup Shop as more of, like, a, a side. Yeah, that was uh, three years ago. Mm. It was for funsies. Oh. We did it because I was <laughs> dodging getting married because I'm I was at the time commitment phobic. <laughs> Even though JB and I have been dating for a very long time, he was like, "Let's get married." I was like, "This truck costs the same amount of money as a wedding. Oh my God. Let's do this contract <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, if it's gonna cost as much, we should just, we should just do this one. Them. But then you eventually had a wedding, anyways, right? Well, we're getting married this oh. December. <laughs> okay, we're engaged. Okay, okay, fine. Um, but we started it off just as like a kind of prototype side project because yeah. JP was a person where he he kind of did the same thing of I lightweight blew up his life <laughs> I was like you're working in HR but I know you're unhappy and in my early 20s I did the dumb thing of like things are black and white and ultimatum I was like I'm not gonna date a guy that doesn't know what he wants so if you don't know what you want we're breaking up oh and then he quit his job that day and he was like I'm gonna try to be a chef <laughs> 
like knocked on doors. So at the time, that was like a, way more than three years ago. But at that time, he was about to get a promotion at work. And uh, he knew that he always wanted to lightweight do a business. So I was like, we're talking about life planning. We do like couples offsites together annually. And so part of like our goal setting was talking about like, what do you envision for your life? So wow. I totally take all of like my team development work home. <laughs> Am I? We're gonna yes. do an offsite, um, and it's gonna be great with just you too. Yeah, and we do personal goal setting, and then we do goal setting as a couple, so that we don't have like the risk of like losing our personal identities as we grow old together, and we know how we to how we can support one another, but then also make goals as a couple. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing that since we first started dating. And I think that's been one of, like, the best and most, like, comfortable spaces where somebody loves you unconditionally to, like, learn and grow. And so similarly, like, I always tell people, like, if you don't have that at work, find, like, a friend, find somebody, like, a peer, just anybody to have that experience with because that is such a gift Mm. for you to be able to, like, go home and tell somebody, oh, my God, I just fucked everything up. Yeah. (laughs) And having them say, like, well, how can I help you Mm -hmm. and support you in that? Mm. Um, So that's when we started the truck. Yeah. Um, And then it's kind of just, like, grown because it's really just been something that we've given our whole heart to, but we were very practical in business sense from the beginning. It started off as a truck. Started off as a truck. And and We did a pop-up. We did pop-ups first and and then we bought a truck. And now we're at Chase. And now you're at Chase. You're and in the, that's, um, which, you're in the, in the United United. area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, the truck's in um, Soma, Pilipinas. Soma, Pilipinas. All yeah. Right. Um, and so Chase was our second location, which yeah. is kind of wild. Did you ever anticipate it would grow to what it was now? No. <laughs> <laughs> we knew we had goals, but there were a lot of fuck-ups we did yeah. with Syrup Shop. We tried... I wanted to test many business models yeah. at the start to see which one was going to work well yeah. for, like, honestly, the lifestyle we wanted. That's why we picked a truck mm. instead of, like, a brick and mortar. We started with lifestyle first. And even for the first year of business, we had to prove to ourselves that it would be the lifestyle we wanted from the get. So when we got it, we even made goals of, I bought plane tickets to go on a vacation at, like, month six. Because it was like, if we can't detach at month six, we're going to be those people that are like, we are can't just, leave the business exactly. because it's so dependent on us. And we're like, no, wow. it's fine. And we did the same thing of like worst case scenario. If we're gone and shit goes sideways, like yeah. just close for the day. <laughs> and it's it's not your okay. whole life. Well, And also like if you're not hitting income goals that allow you the life you want from the get, like you don't quit a nine to five to work 24 seven, you know, like, yeah. Well, unless that's what you want, but ideally you're quitting or leaving a situation that's not aligning to your values Mm -hmm. so that you can create a schedule and Mm -hmm. a life that's aligned with your values. So we did that from the get with Stop Shop. Wow. And I think that's been the reason why we've been able to like make clear decisions on things. We know what our values are and what our constraints are for it. And we have to pull yourself back to like, well, what is the point? What are our values? Yeah. And we've also had the conversation that if it ever becomes more than what our values allow and it financially doesn't make sense, we're totally at peace of walking away from it. I was actually just going to say, after hearing all these stories and the way you approach problems, it's not like you're hedging against failure. It seems like you're someone who has gotten really good at managing uncertainties and being at peace with yourself, Mm -hmm. being at peace with yourself on potential failures. Yeah. It's like if you can un- if you can love yourself unconditionally, yeah. then you can get through anything. 
but it took that, a lot of fucking that, work that to get there. Goes, just, it feels very like, oh, that's a self-love thing. But you seem to apply that in your business life and your entrepreneurial life. Mm-hmm. Like, which Because that's all huge. it is, right? It's all feelings. Like money's yeah, on the that's table. True. There was so it's that's it's hella real. funny. Like I remember when I was first even deciding like whether I would quit Stripe. It's crazy because it's also like the most amount of money I've ever made from a corporate yeah. job. And so I would joke around with my friends. I was like, "Y'all, I'm making white people money now. <laughs> like it's happened, you know." Oh my god! But then there gets to a point where sometimes so much is happening in your life that like as a brown person to be like I'm gonna walk away from white people money to prioritize another thing that is a fucking scary thing to do but sometimes you got to do that again pending that like you can still cover all of your Mm -hmm. other things like I had a savings like recommend to everyone have a savings so that's like your fuck you fund or like your self-care fund like whatever you need so that you can make those decisions for yourself in Mm -hmm. the future it's like gifts to your future self like I try to, because I had been through so much, like, up and downs before and even, yeah. like, graduating at the recession. Yeah. It's, like, when you're at your peak of anything emotionally, financially, it's, like, how do you pack away a thing so that when, like, the worst scenario happens, you're not making decisions out of scarcity of and love. fear. Yeah. yeah. You're still making decisions out of love and abundance in the moments where you might not have enough, like, mm-hmm. emotional energy yeah. or mental space or like financials mm-hmm. so I try to think about that yeah. I'm like what is the worst thing so how do I plan ahead for that <laughs> yeah and if the worst thing the worst case scenario does play out mm-hmm. is it really something you can't be resourceful about yeah yeah because even in 2009 you know like I graduated with so much like college debt yeah, yeah there was even one point where I just stopped making money for a year and I was like what am I gonna do and then I had so much debt like I had I was like fuck it what just happens if I don't pay my bills and then <laughs> it's like what happens if I get a collection call and so then I, like, I went through that and like when you again let your life go there and then you've proved to yourself that you can like rebuild from that mm. but do that over and over again again that's an act of like self-care and unconditional wow. love because if you don't believe that you can get yourself out of some shit mm-hmm. then you're never going to make decisions out of love and abundance wow right because you're, you're like you're distrusting yourself yeah if you can really picture one of those really low points of your own journey yeah and how you somehow push yourself through because a lot of those kind of turn out to be one of the most really momentous self-growth places in your life yeah. what was that moment and like what pushed you through um, yeah so I think it's interesting I well I think like the stripe scenario yeah. is one of like the okay. hardest not necessarily like lowest and what was the stripe was, scenario like the, the stripe scenario with- was it's a big ass job I definitely need to learn a lot in the role so there's a pressure there and I'm responsible for like like more people now Mm -hmm. but then dad is sick there's things happening in the Philippines that I need to take care of and like a side business is growing there's just like a lot of choices you have to make about what lots of choices yeah um and then some of the choices that I had to make weren't necessarily of like pure I'm an American and I have freedom it's like balancing the duality of the cultures um and the responsibility you feel with family yeah, and then also wanting to be, like, a good role model of what a strong 
woman leader mm -hmm. looks like, you mm -hmm. know, and I've had people too criticize me in the past of like, your leadership style is too vulnerable. You talk too much about what's happening. And really? I'm like, I just like to share and be transparent. Yeah. Well, because we only have this like, one form of leadership in our head. And yeah. This is some, yeah. But we're at the generation of defining what we want leadership to look like moving forward mm -hmm. and in different spaces. Yeah. And that's happened to me, like, in many different places of my life. Well, thank you for being on the forefront of that, like, yeah. different kind of leadership. Well, and um, also, like, to your point, like, we were asking, like, how did I push through mm -hmm. it? I actually didn't have to push through anything. I thought I did, but then that my, like that mentality for me of like, I have to just grit and will my way through it was the thing that was keeping me where I was. Wow. So what I did was I just let myself fucking unravel. I let myself like cry in puddles. <laughs> like I would be like, I'm gonna just book this conference room real quick and just cry here. I just let myself feel exactly what I needed to feel. And then giving myself that space allowed me to like let it all out and then actually have energy to look at things clearly. But it took having to do like the unraveling first uh -huh. so that the the moment that I had to make a decision about what to do didn't feel like forced. forced. It just or it felt didn't like, feel inauthentic to you. Yeah. It didn't feel like a draining exercise. It just felt like this is a difficult decision. What are the facts and how do I work through it? So it's like, again, like different energy. Even when I talk about it, I was like, it could be like this. <laughs> or it could just be like, that's a fucking, like a lot. Being mm -hmm. compassionate with yourself, yourself and like letting it all out and then looking at the facts and designing for like what you want next. I love that. Compassion for self letting it out feeling mm -hmm. and then you get into the creative mode just yeah. like strategy mode and also like feeling with people who let you feel wow you know and like you, you can do it by yourself yeah. yeah i always tell people like make a list of the people that you definitely go to when you're in crisis and the people you don't go to mm -hmm. when you're in crisis and the people on your don't list are probably still people you love so much and who love you but you know that they're like not going to be the best yeah. like collaborators in that space because yeah. for example you might be triggering them or they might be stuck in their own shit mm. or like their own values um so you want to make sure that you know who those people know, are know your tribe like yeah. know who you need to go to in the right situation yeah. or like they might all be your tribe but just like know who is going to be like the right person yeah. to be there for you when right. you need certain types mm -hmm. of work. Mm -hmm. and that was even something I learned early on with JP. Mm. Like you can't expect your partner to be all of the things. Like that's unfair. Wow. You know, like there's so many life lessons Sorry. happening right now. <laughs> no, this is just like literally on every facet because you're wow, like it's true. You yeah. can't expect your partner to be all the things. And all the things at all the times yeah, all because the they times. are going through their own One shit thing. too. Exactly. So like And we put that pressure and the weight yeah. on our And that's why we do the goal setting early. So we can be in agreement and alignment of what we expect out of one yeah. another. And then if we find that like we need more or less, you have check-ins. Yeah. Like that's like what one other tactical thing if people are looking for things like to kind of create organic space to have those types of conversations with teammates or managers or partners or best friends is just like bake that into like your one-on-one -on -one templates you know like what's something that's making me feel like I need to unravel this week or like what's making me anxious this week and giving yourself like social permission to go there by asking your manager or your teammate like is this a one-on-one -on -one topic we should talk about weekly I mean we kind of talked about that mm -hmm. right like 
career development. Yeah. I actually did that. <laughs> you did? No, no, no. Just a shout out. We had this conversation. Kristen, literally, you know, I've, I've been thinking about change in my career and growth, and I've been here at my company for two years and just didn't know how to bring it up, bring it up or if there was a role built in for me. And she was like, just own that conversation, yeah. own that growth, put it on her calendar career chat, career yeah. conversation. And like have and it have be something separate planned. from yeah. like your normal your workflow. Your one-on-ones. Yeah. So and that you're building in the permission up front. Yeah, yeah. And have it thought out and just um, – and I did that and it's coming up. <laughs> oh, you haven't done it yet. No, but, but I hey, did. high five for yeah, scheduling no, it. Thank you. And I, I had the pre-conversation with her and she's like, oh, yeah. Jazz about like, it, right? Like if you're, you have something planned, let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, again, like playing out worst-case scenario, if that career conversation doesn't play out in the way that mm-hmm. you had hoped – then you know that that signal of like maybe I've grown out of the place or may sorry we're in the space yeah. but like watch the alarms go off no I know the alarms are gonna get go out off again. of the room <laughs> this bitch is ruining everything um, yeah. but again because like if you don't allow like those types of things to come up and if you take them as purely negative then you're not gonna like get to where you want to go yeah. you're gonna keep yourself yeah. boxed into a situation because you feel bad or like you're worried about how it's gonna go but take it as a sign yeah like it's all data yeah, it's all data it's all data <laughs> just getting to your next course yeah um, and again like looking yeah. at it objectively yeah and then you can feel all your feels on your couch yeah yeah <laughs> there you go go home and feel it um but you said you even approach your personal and your Oh, yeah. Your partner that way. I mean, they say that in yoga, right? Like, if it's happening on the mat, it's, like, yeah. happening everywhere in your life. So, wow. you know, like, if you're struggling with some things at work, it will, like, translate a little mm-hmm. bit into your personal Absolutely. life. But then on the flip side, if there are things that, like, these big corporations are paying for to, like, do personal development, team development, like, why isn't that things that we translate into our personal lives where we are organizations and our family unit? Yeah. Like, your life is your own business exactly there should exactly. be a, like an ROI and a PNL wow. for like your personal life. yeah your personal network is all, like your network your yeah, organization yeah exactly can yeah. you get really um, sum up to listeners um, what you're invested in now like what your full time I guess like focuses are now yeah from from going into full-time corporate role to what you're doing now. Yeah, I don't have, again, I don't really think about my life in terms of like full-time and not full-time. It's okay. (laughs) But I can tell you what my life pie looks like right now. Yes, okay. Tell us your life. (laughs) So my life pie right now is 30% family and then 20% kind of like fun side projects Mm -hmm. and then 30% syrup shop. I'm like, what are we at right now? That's like 80 and then like 20% me. Beautiful. I apologize if my math is wrong, but roughly <laughs> that's how it, it goes feels up to 120 percent. She always operates 120. <laughs> I actually try not to. I'm just not sure. Actually, I was like, I try not no, to. No, no, or no. even tell people like, you don't have two pies. It's one pie. It's one. There's yeah. only 100. Yeah, okay. I was like, there's no work pie, and then like personal life pie. It's all one, one. pie. Um, but mostly it's like okay. if I'm stack ranking it, it's really like yeah. family. Beautiful. And then, like, Syrup Shop, investing, yeah. like, my partnership there. Yeah. And then, like, fun little side projects where my goal this year really is to just co-create with people that I feel inspired by. Yeah. Um, Which you do on a day-to-day, and you yeah. just seem to be collaborating and I mean, you exchanging. do have a little bit more freedom to do that, yeah. right, when, like, you're in charge of who you're going to do things with. Like, inherently in, like, a corporate organization, you're going to work with people who somebody else made the decision about who you're – peer is or whatever so that's one thing in terms of like freedoms of Mm -hmm. things um and yeah yeah just spending a lot of time just on myself doing a lot of nothing i love that 
the last thing I kind of want to close up on, and thank you for sharing all your yeah. <laughs> Oh, I keep so, thinking to you now, like, did I say anything that I wasn't supposed to say? No. <laughs> I feel okay with so it. So <laughs> many just, like, gems. I think I just kind of want to reiterate that, like, none of it was perfect. It's yeah. actually, like, people will look at my life or my LinkedIn or whatever and be like, wow, she, like, did all these things. and But they were messy as fuck. Mm-hmm. And everything is going to be messy. But if you really practice, like, being happy in gray area, you'll be happy no matter where you are. Um, so I think that's just like something that I hope people yeah. like take yeah. from any of this, no, like for sure. get for messy, sure. be comfortable with failure, yes. look at yourself in the mirror when you have got no makeup on, <gasps> or you've got like, even right now I'm like breaking out like crazy no. and I'm doing like oh the my whole, God, no. ah, but then I'm like, I love you too. <laughs> I had this funny moment the other day where JP and I were at the gym and I'm also at my heaviest, which I don't feel bad about, but I looked at myself and I was like, 10 years ago. I would have looked at this and be like, oh, my God, so much judgment. But it's interesting to be like when you get to like the really unconditional space with yourself, you're like, cool, girl, you'll get out of this. Wow. (laughs) But you got to look at yourself to be like, but now I'm all going to work on it and change it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I think getting to a space of that unconditional like compassion of yourself can can start to liberate your thoughts, your your feelings, feelings, your feelings, your own like limitations. Yeah. And just go into play mode. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. I like, again, like people will always yeah. say, like, you got so many things to say. I'm like, just because I've been through a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. make more mistakes. You'll have lots of gems of things to say. After yeah. You come yeah. Out of it. No, it's because of the, it's it's true though. It's, yeah. it's because you've been through the mud. Yeah. Yeah. I love playing in the um, mud. Yeah. Are you playing in the mud? Come play in the uh, mud with me. <laughs> two things I always ask How has being Filipina played into your own career life? Um, I think mostly from like the physical perception, mm-hmm. like you even brought up to me when we were at the wing, like, how do you uh, take up space and power when you're like a tiny person compared to everybody else? Uh, so that's played a role in it okay. of me also being smart about how do I physically take up space? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the things that I can wear or do that make me feel, you know, extra like big in my space, yeah. you know? Um, so that's play. It's mostly played a role in terms of like, what do people expect when they look at me? Mm-hmm. And that's, again, something I've had to get, like, real and savvy yeah. about because it is still a biased world, and if we only play in the ideal, you miss out on, like, being smart about how you need to play the game. So there's things there. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. And then also on, like, the more positive side um, is, I think, I mean, I don't know if your family is like this, so I'm a little bit biased, but my whole family, like, all of the Filipinas are the ones that bring the fun. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like... Yes. Everybody brings <laughs> a little bit of the drama. Yes. But we bring the fun. Yeah. And so the if humor, we're... Yeah. The laughing. The, the humor, yeah. the laughing, the nurturing. The lightheartedness. Yes. So yeah. I think when we embrace yeah. that and bring that to the and workplace. And then especially as a leader, I'm sure that changes the dynamics of whoever's on your team. Oh, for sure. Like, and you know that Tita that can cut through, like, any awkward moment by yeah. cracking it in an yeah. appropriate joke? Like, I don't know, like, I'm saying, like, do that at work. So but are you the Tita now? I think so. No, I totally am. I was telling this just, to my friends. Just claim it. Just own your I was your like, tita-ness. we're the new generation of, of Tita. So they're going to be, like, yeah. tagging shit no. and, like, being, but, like but, who are you dating now? Yeah, yeah. But redefining that into yeah. teaching people to love themselves instead of Tita's are like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also a way to take up space yeah. with, like, that big-ass heart, that charisma, totally. that spirit, that loving energy. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be masculine mm-hmm. is always the only thing that's a form of being strong having that like 
bold ass Tita energy. Like that the can even bold be bold as Tita energy. Yeah, that can be a little hack. Like you know, people will yeah. say that when you're going into a space where you're feeling like mm-hmm. nervous or intimidated, play a character. Mm-hmm. Just be like, what would your big bold Tita do in this situation <laughs> if somebody was like, yeah. hey, your presentation has a typo. Tita would be like, is that the point of the slide? You know? Oh my God, just so. calling it out, asking unapologetic questions. Yeah. That's- Tita energy. Oh my god. Yeah. I love that. So I'm already picturing a graphic of, <laughs> yeah. of the bring your Tita energy, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> there should be like a day where it's like bring your inner Tita to work day. Uh, yeah. And that'll be Tita the day. Tuesdays. Yeah, Tita Tuesdays. Oh my god, that would be so funny. Be like, what's your power Tita move that you're gonna do today? Oh, where so like good. in a moment where you feel like yeah. I would normally not say anything yeah, and yeah. let that slide. Be like, no, what would she do? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Let's yeah. start that. <laughs> Big Tita energy. We're, re, we're, we're reclaiming the Tita, Tita. vibes. Yeah, no. And re, uh, and, like we are empowering ourselves to to bring our Tita to work day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually really love that. I love. Let's do it. <laughs> we're starting that. What is kind of a, a piece of advice mm-hmm. that you would bring to a Filipina who maybe struggled, like owning their own passions or being expected to be in a traditional path? Yeah. What message would you deliver? Two things. Um, if you're even just exploring the idea of like veering off the path that was set for you, prototype and test it in small doses. Pick up a side project, connect with people who inspire you, do it as a hobby first so it doesn't feel so like high stakes and you're also building your network in that Mm -hmm. way. Um, and just, you know, like try it, let it fail. Yeah. And then, like, just prove to yourself that you can do that. Mm -hmm. Doing it in those small doses will like help you get to like, gaining the confidence, the skill set, and the community that will help you make, like, the bigger step mm-hmm. the next time. Yeah. yeah. And you start building that trust with yourself and the confidence. Yeah. And, and like, it it doesn't happen alone. Mm-hmm. Or it can, but then it's going to be a longer time yeah. frame. Or it's, like, that yeah. willpower energy versus, yeah. like, the playtime energy. Playtime energy. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Playing professionally. It seems like the philosophy that you have in life is really just learning how to flip from scarcity to an abundance mindset, mm-hmm. right? And that can be applied to any situation, whether it's personal life, mm-hmm. whether it's your your career life. What kind of day-to-day like tactics can you use from catching yourself in that scarcity mindset mm-hmm. to almost like really forcing a shift into an abundance mindset? Yeah, so, I well, one, it's listening to your intuition, how you're feeling. Anytime you're feeling like something's not right, like pull yourself into a conference room even for it's for five minutes and write down like why and then challenge like the reasons why and then if it's for example like well if I do this it's because I'm gonna lose blah and then you can ask yourself like how real is that mm-hmm. or like what if you weren't gonna lose blah how would you act mm-hmm. like what would so and so do what would you do if like that risk piece didn't exist and then you can also do things like whenever you and you're feeling like I'm nervous about a thing, write down all of the risks and then do like a simple risk mitigation kind of thing, (laughs) exercise, right? Like this is a risk. Okay, if that's a risk, what is something I could do or somebody could do to to mitigate that? Yeah, yeah. Put it down on paper. Right. It's kind of like people's finances are like, how am I going to afford that? And I'm like, do you even know the number? Write down how you might need. If there's a gap, figure out how you fill the gap. Yeah, you put can, it down paper. Everything has strategy. Like you yeah. can. Re- <laughs> well, because again, it, it you get so in your head mm-hmm. about yeah, stuff. Just start to plan just it out. Put it down on paper, and if you don't know how to do it on your own, 
like just invite someone to help you even if it's somebody that doesn't know how to do it the act of just doing it with two people makes it feel one less like the uh, like the world is ending um and then two just makes it more fun more fun yeah yeah exactly i love that yeah i think that brings it home to what we started off with of just like letting collaboration in Mm -hmm. like looking at the people and your peers around you and how can you incorporate them and involve them into whatever you're trying to solve yeah because that's Um, also abundance yeah scarcity is like i'm in this alone Alone. abundance is i'm gonna play with my friends yes i'm gonna (laughs) play with my friends i love this okay thank you so much this was was really fun there's no more more alarms going on yeah yeah and is there a way people can um either check into what you're doing right now um keep up with you Yes, and I'm going to give a plug to the one focus that I'm putting on High Simmer, the Sarab Show. Yes. So that's follow. that. just follow us on Instagram. Yes. That's where most of the things there are. There you go. And if you really wanted to get to me, you'll know how to get to from there. Yes, <laughs> you'll find your way. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you. I've learned, I've learned so much, um, and I, I just can't wait to, to go into play mode. Yeah, so, go Thank go, you. Thank you so much for listening. Would love if you can subscribe and or leave a review. And I can't wait to see you next time on the next Filipino on the Rise. But I do think May that I there are... May I have your attention, please? Please disregard any audible or visible alarm. <laughs> That's perfect. Compels you to take on that responsibility yeah. of working on... What are the things that change? How do you feel? Who are you spending time with? (laughs) Sorry. No, you're good. This will forever be a podcast session. I'm like, hey, Kristen brought in the strobe lights. I did. I said bring the party and I said break down the systems. And here we are. We're doing both.